what we do here is go back, 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 back. I, I, I love to ride with the dogs, right? I love to let the dogs out. That, that's me. I'm Baja Men. Back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Micah McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald, and we are riding into Super Bowl weekend. How you feeling? You know, I feel, I feel well. I feel great that there is a game on on Sunday. I feel sad that it is the last game that we will be witnessing for a little bit. So it'll be fun. I guess that's all you can hope for. You know, like we always say, it's good to you know, have the best team still be out there, even though it's not your, your team, um, at least it'll be entertaining and a good matchup. So Super Bowl week, um, is here. We are going to, um, cut out a little bit of our typical draft content. I'll kind of unveil a little bit about what our next couple of weeks are looking like, but this week, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys know kind of what we're going to go through. So starting on Monday, we had, our live mock draft that we mentioned Micah was involved in. Um, he's going to recap that a little bit. Um, really cool exercise. I'm glad he was able to be a part of that and represent Raider Nation as the GM. Um, so he'll touch on that. Um, we'll get into a little bit of Raider content because um, there was some yesterday. So we had Micah's mock draft Monday. We had some Raider news on Tuesday. And then we will get into the NFL awards, um, which will be happening on Saturday as it always is the day before the Super Bowl. So we are going to give our predictions for um, multiple awards. Um, you know, we will unveil those as we get to it. Um, and then from there, our last, you know, our last preview, our last prediction. So we will preview this Super Bowl matchup. Each of us will take one, one side of the ball. We'll talk about it a little bit, and then um, we'll get into our prediction, predict the score, predict the MVP, who is going to Disney World. Not sure if they're still doing that, but And then from there, we will do a schedule announcement about what this is going to look like for the next couple of weeks. Um, A lot of things are changing with, you know, the NFL closing out. And then, you know, it's a little bit of a lull period, but we do have a lot of free agency stuff going on. We have the draft coming up. We run right into training camp, OTAs. And before you know it, we're playing in September. So after that, Mike is going to close us out. Hopefully this is some good content for y'all, but we want to stay true to what's happening right now. So Micah, give us an idea. Monday, live mock draft on your birthday. Happened to be here at my house conducting this. You were, it was Micah, Micah Mayock was who you were. Mike got replaced. Micah Mayock represented the Raiders number 17 overall. Walk us through how that went. How'd you feel? Yeah, it was, like I said, a really awesome exercise that I was lucky enough to be involved with. You know, just to kind of recap it for everyone. Matt Miller, former Bleacher Report, senior uh, scout analyst, started his own website. It's called thedraftscout.com. If you haven't heard about it, go sign up for it. Jump on it. It's amazing if you're trying to get down with any draft coverage, articles, big boards, mock drafts, player comms. He does it all. He's one of the best in the biz. So definitely a 100% free shout out for him on this one because it's a, it's a fantastic site that Andy signed me up for. But essentially one of the things – uh, that you get when you sign up for a paid subscription. There's a lot of perks that, that you end up getting. And, and one of them is the opportunity to jump in as the GM of any team of your choice. 
And if you're the first one to get in once the signups open, you are selected and you get to be that person. And I got lucky enough that I got to pick for the Raiders at 17. And it was really awesome. It was essentially just 35 plus people on a Zoom call, just kind of bullshitting and talking about stuff. And then, you know, we kind of got things going and everyone had a three minute timer on the clock and, you know, you could chew it up however you wanted to. And, you know, there was a lot of, you know, the board fell pretty chalk early on. Uh, there were some trades that kind of threw some things off, but, you know, as it was going along, I was kind of, we were getting into the, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 range. And there were a few players on the board still that I was surprised that were there, uh, excited that were potentially there. One of them being Micah Parsons, the linebacker out of Penn State. Do you know? No surprise, someone named Micah, one of the more elite athletes in the draft this year. But, you know, he's he's touted uh, like Isaiah Simmons, Isaiah Simmons was last year, as you know, that uh, just a, uh, an elite linebacker. And he was number one guy in that position on the board. And he was fallen, essentially. He was kind of got past Denver at nine and uh, just kept falling. And so got to a point where Patriots were coming around at 15. Jaguars GM traded up jumped up to take Micah Parsons. I was upset. I was like, damn it. But sitting there, another guy that really liked at a position of need at interior defense alignment is Davion Nixon uh, out of Iowa. Interior defense alignment is more of a bigger need than linebacker was, but the um, the type of athlete that Micah Parsons was, it was a no-brainer taking him if he was there. But he got taken, and I was like, all right, sitting good, feeling good about this. You know, He's still on the board. Highly doubt the Cardinals are going to go that way. What do they do? They pick him. I'm like, motherfucker. So kind of scrambled for a moment. Uh, you know, me and you had some discussions as as our uh, three-minute clock was rolling. But we ended up taking linebacker out of Notre Dame, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Second best linebacker in, in this draft. Another guy that is a little on the smaller side, but he'll come up and hit you hard. And he can line out wide and, and guard receivers, guard tight ends, guard running backs out of the backfield. Um, just kind of that newer hybrid of linebacker that can work sideline to sideline. So went that route. I wasn't feeling very good about kind of the, the other, the other players that I had on my big board at that point, Christian Barrymore interior defense alignment was another, you know, back and forth that we were talking about uh, out of Alabama, him and Dixon. And then there's a guy out of Washington that are all, there as far as you know people thinking they're the top d lineman but all very close ended up passing on him for the linebacker though so all in all it was really fun um kind of hearing people go through stuff trades were allowed all that all that kind of thing felt very confident with the pick that i selected i would absolutely love it if the raiders did end up going that route granted you know micah parson isn't on the board but yeah it was all in all a great experience it was very fun to do uh kind of got me, you know, on my feet for a second when I thought that everything was going to be, you know, fall in the way that I liked it. But it was uh, it was very fun. I really hope I get a chance to do it again. Um, what did you think? I mean, you were kind of in the background checking in on things. You had tubby time at one point. You know, you're jumping back and forth, kind of doing some things. But uh, how are you? What did you think about what you were involved with? I felt like I underperformed, to be honest. Um, you know, it was something that I was excited about. And I wanted to, it was your birthday. You deserve that. You do, you do above and beyond things for me, um, for mine. So I was like, you know, that's not even close to above and beyond, but at least, at least I can do is this. Um, and then you you ended up being at my house. Work was crazy. 
I had tubby time, things get in the way. Um, so I had to like really bounce back and forth because I, I just wanted to sit there and read the board. You know, the war room doesn't allow for tubby time. I'll tell you that right now. You just sit there and you're in, you're in there, you know. So um, I think you handled yourself well, very well composed is what I'll say. Once it got close, you know, you were catching me up and saying, hey, this is where the board's landing. And like you mentioned, we were three picks away and it was like, hey, we got Parsons and we got Nixon. I was like, okay, great. You know, I, I wouldn't imagine they would go, you know, one, two like that. And they did. So, but once again, that's life, right? Read and react, move and shake. So um, you did a good job. I was a little on the fence and I think it, it's, it's, we, we've somewhat intentionally, you know, backed off some on, on some Raider talk um, as it relates to more so draft needs. We want to give you some content, but rest assured, we will dive into more so positional needs and outline kind of where we can go. But I, th- I think you did, you did a great job. And I think that, you know, you could have gone a couple different ways. Um, you know, you could have been flashy. You could have been a little aggressive, but at the end of the day, who you took, it was, it was BPA. And, and the difference between just taking best player available and taking BPA along with need, I think is, is kind of what, what I saw. And so great job there. Also that pick is, you know, he is a, he is a linebacker, but you were kind of forecasting and getting ahead of the scheme that we're going to be in. So he is someone that plays sideline to sideline as a backer, but you know, a little bit lighter from as a, as a DN, but you could actually, as it rolls from a, a, a three, four, you know, Gus Bradley scheme, sometimes they walk up the two outside backers to where you get, you know, like a little five, two action. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think that, I think you did a great job. That's all I'm going to say. Buckus award winner. I, I think he won the Buckus, by the way, I, I could be wrong there, but we're going to say he did until someone else proves me wrong, but well, good job. That, that was fun. And, and from what it sounds like, it, it seems like, you know, there's going to be more opportunities for you to be involved in that stuff. And, and I will commit to being also more dedicated to the craft. So as we mentioned, there there is some Raider news we should touch on. Didn't think there would be much. Um, didn't think we would really encounter anything. But as it stands, there's, you know, Deshaun Watson has requested a trade. And it's an interesting report came out where there was one report saying that, you know, teams are heavily shopping Derek, not shopping, sorry, um, pursuing Derek Carr. Um, because, you know, it's a quarterback. And if you look at the NFL, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have had good years and fizzled out. There's a lot of quarterbacks that have had bad years to start and done well. And then there are some quarterbacks that have just progressively gotten better over each year, which is where I would categorize Carr. So teams are really in a spot where they're like, hey, we need stability at that position. So there's going to be more teams that are pursuing Carr. So there was that report. And then there was something that said Raiders are pursuing Deshaun Watson looking to trade Carr to acquire more picks to then take those picks and their picks originally um, that we already have right now to go for Watson. So that was a thing. Um, I think it's something we should address and just at least give our perspective on it's pretty relevant. And it's something that we should, you know, (laughs) you know, at least talk about whether we believe it um, or not. So how do you feel about what got thrown out there? Raiders Twitter was pretty electric one side or the other, but it's just so funny. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say it's February, first week of February. And we're like, this is what's going to happen. It's like, dude, unless you're connected to that source, you could feel confident, but not even convicted about where it's going to go. Cause there's so many different layers to what could happen. So what are your thoughts on just kind of what got floated out there and, and the potential of what it could be? 
Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, it's obviously very, very interesting, you know, because a lot of reports were coming out from some reputable Raider beat writers and people that cover the team, the Las Vegas Review Journal, and, and just people in the know, you know, that, that you know, when they say something, you're like, okay, that there's a good chance that has some legs to it. It's not just Colin Coward spitting out nonsense, you know, for clickbait. So I can tell you right now, when it first broke, I was like, man, this is some, this is some hot news right here. I texted you and Mel Dreamy, like, hey, this is floating around. This is kind of wild. And the things that were coming out, like you said, were kind of a connecting the dots kind of situation. Teams are heavily involved in trading for car. You know, it obviously is something the Texans have been very adamant that it's going to take quite a bit to take, you know, get Deshaun Watson away from it and, and, you know, rightfully so. But the word out there was kind of in the range of the Raiders potentially getting up to two first round picks for Carr, coupling that with either two more first round picks, maybe a first and a bunch of other picks would probably take two more ones. Anyways, that was floated out there. And it was a very interesting thought because I can tell you right now, I absolutely love Derek Carr. I'm glad he is our quarterback. I'm glad he's been our quarterback for a long, you know, as long as he has, and he's done very well progressing with Gruden. Deshaun Watson is a generational type talent. And if you were to say that the Raiders are going to flip Carr for two, two first rounders and then trade those two along with two more of ours, essentially two firsts and Carr for Deshaun Watson, I would tell you that that is a steal, in my opinion. Now, if that was something that were on the table, I would say pull the trigger on that, me personally. When you look at the future of the NFL at the quarterback position, it's Patrick Mahomes one and Deshaun Watson two. You know, those those type of guys don't come, become available very often. Um, I think that it would be one thing if we were talking like we got to hemorrhage everything. You know, you got to include Waller in that or you got to include a Jacobs in that. You know what I mean? You got to do, you know, all these other things where it's like three plus first round picks on top of like one or two legit players. I'm like, okay, that's a little too much just to go out there and do that, even though. Like I said, generational talent. But initially, when the thought was that it could potentially be essentially car plus two first round picks, I would say that I was on board if that was really all it took, because it seems like it should take more than that. But that's just kind of where I'm at on that. It's obviously all rumors. It's all hearsay. Sean Watson also does have a no trade clause. So he would have to want to come to the Raiders for that to even all match up. But, you know, we hear a lot of like, the Raiders are looking at this quarterback and that quarterback every year, you know, they're seeking out Tom Brady like, you know, and, or whatever it was. And so it's one of those things. It's like expected every year, but this is very interesting new wrinkle in things in the sense of like their field and phone calls on car. What would it take to flip him and get to Sean, all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's tough because um, I like car too. And, and I think that in a normal year, players of Watson's talent are not available. So like you see the rumors of like last year, like, Oh, the Raiders are going to sign Brady. I'm like, okay, so two years, $50 million. And then you're going to shop car for two years, you know, just to have like this window where what's really the difference. I'm sorry. If you want to ask, like, tell me like what the difference between car and Brady would be um, from a physical standpoint or from like a, you know, throwing the ball. It's like, it's, it's, I give Brady the edge, but not by much. Right. So it's like, it's different when you're talking about that compared to talking about, as you mentioned, Watson, who's 25 and, and 
you know, a generational talent where he's, he's done so much with nothing, at, you know, in Houston. And it's, it's just a different conversation. So, so of course, you know, it's like, first of all, the NFL knows that Gruden is not set on car, right? doesn't matter if you agree with it or not. He's not set on his guy. And if you think about it, it's his fourth year coming up and sure you can say, Oh, well, he's got a 10 year contract and he has this and that. It's like, this is like a pride thing. This is like a, he's not going to go seven bad years with car and be like, yeah, all right, let's see how the next three years go. No, that's not how it works. He's going to go. I, I, I put in three years. This isn't my guy. I need something else. And if anything, he's been more expressive about the fact that he's not, not like not committed to him, but he's not sold on him. He's not, he, this isn't his guy. So I, I just don't know how it's like the NFL knows that. And if anything, Gruden is, he's, he kind of just puts his voice out there and, and it's fucking obvious, dude. Like, so the NFL knows that, but then they also see Carr, who is ascending or not ascending, but like he's, he's progressing is the best thing to say. It's like, if you looked across the whole NFL, you could say like, there's the people that have their quarterbacks, probably 10%. And there's the people that don't, right. Which is the majority. And there's the people that are stuck and we're kind of stuck where it's like, we have our quarterback and he's good enough, but is he great enough? Right. We've talked about that. So because we're in that category, there's that other majority of teams that don't have their guy that would be like, I want that guy to then like, let's put in everything else and our investments into something like, look at the Colts, look at their freaking defense, dude. Like they're stacked on the defense. If they get someone like DC, who's way better than Phillip Rivers is currently, they, they would be great. And with the Russian, you know what I'm saying? Like there, there's teams like that, that are like, we have this window and we can't go all in on getting um, a, either a rookie quarterback and starting fresh, or we can't go get someone like a Deshaun Watson because we don't have the capital. So why don't we get someone who's actually pretty good, not great. And that's going to get us over the hump as we continue to shuffle in, you know, assets towards building the team. So that, that's kind of what I'm saying is it's like, it's, it's a combination of both of Gruden not being set on that and Carr being more attractive, right? So the flip side is if Deshaun Watson wasn't there, I'd be like, I don't care. Like why we would never trade him. But at this point, it's like, I, I promise you, if, if there's a way they can make it work, they'll make it work. So, and then also, like you mentioned, Deshaun has to actually be willing to wait it, wave his no trade clause. So, but even then there's a lot of different, factors in with with Watson's contract and there's not a ton of dead money with Carr and also you know how we're going to get another salary cap whatever it's a lot of news and then maybe a lot of smoke but when there's smoke there's fire and that's why we're talking about it so yeah exactly and I that also this kind of segues perfectly into one of the listener questions we actually got today on Twitter and this comes from at dub underscore rgt uh, asks if Watson and Houston are on board, would it be wrong for the Raiders to go all in on Deshaun, even though the defense still needs improvement? And I would say there's a yes and and no answer for that. I don't think it would be wrong whatsoever for them to go all in because this defense could be leaps and bounds better than we think just because of the fact of how bad our defensive coordinator is. We don't know, you know, with Gus Bradley coming in, this defense could be a top 15 defense with the players that we have. Is it likely? Not super likely, but coaches can make a difference. Um, so no, it would not be wrong for them to go all in and and you know work through free agency on the defense. 
as I mentioned earlier, I think the only way it would it would be wrong of them to go all in if if someone like Waller was ha- had to be involved in getting rid of them, you know, some along those lines um, where we had to include include, you know, assets along those lines of the players we already have. That's going to be like, ah, that's just a little too much where they want a shit ton of picks and a Waller on top of it or something like that. So my opinion, no, not wrong at all, because the defense, the defense is going to be a build regardless but our defense is a lot of young talent and we got to see where they're gonna what they're gonna look like with this new dc so yeah i don't think it's wrong at all and and i and i've been actually my mind's changed on on how i look at team building over the years just because you know that i mean theoretically you want to be balanced right you want to you want to be able to put the same amount of assets and the same amount of effort and money towards both sides of of the ball but if you just look at who's in the playoffs or who's in the Super Bowl right now and who made the playoffs, it's heavily favored towards the best offensive teams because that's where the NFL is. That's where the rules are, right? That's that's where everyone's favoring. So you can get by with an okay defense. And as everyone wants to just burn this MF or down, right? It's like, dude, the the defense isn't bad. It's underdeveloped. And so whether that's a coaching thing, whether that's an accountability thing, whether that's, you know, these players need to take the next step in their career, the next leap for, we have so many young defensive starters that what do you, how are you even going to crown it one way or the other? You know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, Oh, wow, our defense is bad. How could we not spend assets? It's like, well, if they develop the right way, then they'll be okay enough to have, you know, not invested in that area. So that's kind of where I've, I've changed a little bit where I'm like, and of course we would invest in the defense. Why wouldn't we? We're so bad, but there's a difference when you have, you know, seven of your 11 starters under 26, 27 years old that you believe aren't just, just didn't develop or grow as much as they should, you know? So that's kind of where I say it, where it's like, yeah, it's worth it because as you know, a QB changes everything, right? It's, it's the haves and the haves not at this point in the NFL. So hundred percent. And I usually would be conservative and be like, no, I'm good, dude. But like at this point, it's, it's worth it. You know? So look at the, look at the Bucks defense. They weren't that good all year. And they kind of came on a little bit because they do have some studs. And so do we look at the chiefs defense, anything special, Chris Jones, no tackle, you know, honey badger in the, in the secondary and they have complementary pieces. And if you think about it in free agency, you can piece together on some cheap deals to find some guys that play role players and just fit the scheme, right? You can do that. So you can take a Melvin Ingram and get him at a discounted price and have him fit Gus Bradley's scheme. And, oh, we're going to get him discounted because he's coming off injury. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many different ways you can just piece together defense and just go all in on offense. And, and the chief strategy has been over the years, drafting or even free agency, it's either we're going to give Mahomes more weapons on the offense side of the ball, or we're going to protect him as much as we can. And that's all they care about because it's a freaking shootout every game, you know? So tangent as always, but I'm just saying I've changed in that sense. And I'm like, why not? What do you have to lose at this point? Like, I hate my job. I'm gonna burn this mother down. And you're like, you better not. What, what was that movie again? <laughs> I was trying to think of the reference when I was saying it, it was a uh, orange County, orange County, Jack black, but no, good question. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's worth kicking the tires on. To your point, giving up Waller makes no sense because they won't. Giving up Jacobs, 
makes more sense to do it, but still shouldn't, you know, anyways, that's a, that's a preview of what the, <laughs> the off season is going to be because we're not going to have much content. We're just going to pick one thing and go. So um, let's move on. Let's get to our next topic. Can't believe you diverted us so much. Dude. I know. I'm sorry that I yeah. took us on. I, I did I take us on a lot more of a tangent. No, no, yeah. You normally do. I guess we're I guess we're balancing that a little bit. Okay. Well, let's get through this a little bit. So we have our NFL awards coming this Saturday, as always, the day before the Super Bowl. I, you know, kind of picked picked through a couple here. So we have we have six. We're gonna go through them quick. Mike and I compared notes, but we are going to um, go through them real quick. MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. I left out Comeback Player of the Year because if you don't bet or if you don't pick Alex Smith, then you're kind of messed up. So MVP, NFL season, who do you got? Yeah, so the MVP, I I think it's – he's number one on on just about everybody's board, and that's Aaron Rodgers. He had such a light-out year. You know, came back with a vengeance after they drafted a quarterback in the first round and just came in and balled out. And, um, you know, I think that's probably throughout this whole, you know, list of six awards is the most chalk out of out of all of them, if I had to say anything. But, yeah, A-Rod. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I, I got A-Rod. It, it's not even close. I, I think he's – Rodgers had such a good year. It, it was close in the beginning, um, and then he kind of separated himself towards the end of the year, and this is also not a, a playoff – award either so regardless of whether he made it to the um, Super Bowl he's the guy I think it makes makes sense I hope he takes it um, so good good to go there offensive player of the year who do you have offensive player of the year is going to be Derek Henry uh, another semi chalk answer um, just because of the insane year that he had rushing for 2,000 yards um, and just being you know the tractor Cito that he is I, I think it's hard not to not to have him in the running and, and possibly pick him just because there's other other ways you could go with, you know, the record that Kelsey set and all that and all that stuff. And A-Rod's not going to get it if he wins MVP type of thing. I think just that nowadays in the NFL to have someone rush for 2,000 yards, you know, is pretty spectacular. So, yeah, I think that's it. it, it, it it's kind of shitty when it's the MVP and the offensive player of the year, unless it's completely just, you know, no reason to not go that way. So, I agree. 2000 yards, incredible season. And also Kelsey is, is up there just with what he did at the tight end position. I think that's a fair argument, but I went Henry as well, mostly just what, you know, I think will happen. Not like necessarily what I would vote for, but I also wouldn't vote for a chief over a Titan. So there we go. Defensive player of the year thoughts. Yeah. Uh, for the defensive side of the, the ball is uh, going to be TJ Watt. Absolutely electric season, uh, getting 15 sacks on the year. He was just lights out all over the place, uh, making every play here and there. On one of the best defenses in the league, the Steelers' defense was was lights out as a group all year. But he was definitely the brightest star in the galaxy on, on that defense, just controlling that that defensive line and really balling out every game. Yeah, I went um, I went Carl Joseph. So. Brown safety oh. <laughs> um, drafted out of the Raiders. He recovered a fumble in the end zone. He fell on it and then also caught a punt from Chad Henney in, in the playoffs. But no, I went, I went TJ Watt as well. He, he was just by far the most, the most productive difference maker in the NFL. You know, the Steelers 11-0 throughout the year. It was just like a no-brainer at that point. And then, you know, their defense struggled a little bit down the road. Obviously, their offense struggled, but I think the biggest the biggest thing is if you looked at how many times 
um, if you took the, the sack leaders of the year and then you also took the amount of times they were allowed to rush the passer, TJ Watt was dropping in coverage more, more than anyone on that list and also was the most productive. So I think when you take those things into consideration, it's, it's, it's no brainer. And I, I hope he wins it um, much deserved and sorry, Carl Joseph, you were close, but uh, you know, he beat you out. So we now have the coach of the year, Micah, who do you got? Yes. I think this is where things start to, you know, shift for our semi chalk answers together. Uh, mine is going to be Brian Flores of Miami Dolphins. That team was nowhere near what anyone thought they were going to be this year. They absolutely went above and beyond any expectations coming into this thing. You know, he's they got him in there working on rebuilding stuff. And the way he's turned that organization around so quickly is just astonishing. And then to see it you know, come to fruition with their record and their run for the playoffs and whatnot. Fitz magic doing his thing, you know, kind of slowly working to it in going to be some big, what some of the bigger question marks in the off season is, you know, whether two is really going to be that guy. Cause they got a top three pick, but regardless, hell of a job turning this team around, turning this organization around, taking them to where they are. That would be my vote for coach of the year. No, I like that. I think, I think that's, that's, a fair point, and he's going to be up there for sure. I I just go Stefanski, um, Kevin Stefanski for the Browns. Just if you look at coaching the Browns, that's tough. And then you lose OBJ um, and kind of what they were up against. There was, there was a lot of things that he did to, you know, whether it was just the players rallying a little bit or, or you know, the scheme or taking advantage of certain matches. But I think, I think he did a good job of controlling that environment as a young coach and and he did a good job, and they made it to the playoffs. They won in the first round. It's not a playoff award, as I mentioned, but um, Stefanski gets my vote. I think it's incredible what he did. I do think they have a ceiling, but all in all, I think this year they overperformed. If, if you took the situation that they were going to be put in before the year, you wouldn't have imagined that they would have had you know 11 wins and things like that. So that's my vote, Stefanski. Now we will move into offensive rookie of the year which you know as the coach of the year we you know are a little at odds here so what do you got yeah for me my, my mind kind of went directly to one spot and I, I was actually surprised that you know you kind of went in a different different direction as well but mine was uh, Justin Jefferson wide receiver Minnesota Vikings absolutely phenomenal year 1400 yards seven touchdowns he was the fifth receiver taken in the draft and I know that that he's made comments before um, about, you know, being a little chip on his shoulder that he had four other guys taken ahead of him, mainly Jalen Rager going to Philadelphia, the pick right before him, which was unbelievably wild that they went that route. Uh, Cause I think going into the draft process, everybody said that Justin Jefferson to the Eagles seemed like the most perfect possible fit, you know, out of, out of all the predictions going into that year. But he just absolutely balled out on a team that, you know, got rid of Stephon Diggs. You know, they needed a guy to step up and, you know, he jumped into that and, you know, just watching highlights of things, his route running, his ability to just jump into an NFL offense and just go out there and dominate secondaries like he did was fantastic. And, and he gets my vote for O-R-O-Y. O-R-O-Y. Yeah, no, he had a fantastic season. Um, I just, I'm afraid that this is such a, quarterback award too you know um at first it was Joe Burrow who 
who was making the transition and, and being, you know, being the guy number one overall. But I, th- I think it goes to Herbert, not only because he is a quarterback, but also 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns, you know, 10 picks, the TD to touchdown, or sorry, TD to interception ratio is pretty dang good. And he kind of carried that, that team. And as bad as they were um, in situational football, he carried them for the most part. And, and that's just the most important position on the field and in all the sports. So I, I would just have to say that it's going to be Herbert, unfortunately, but I do respect his game. I'm not excited to play him two times a year. So I'm going to go Herbert. I, I do love Jefferson. You know, he fires me up, but that's where I'm at. Um, defensive rookie of the year. Who you got? Yeah. Going to go to the number two overall pick in this year's draft. And that's Chase Young. I don't think anyone's surprised that he played well right out the gate, you know, playing for a very underachieving franchise as the Washington football team. I'm sure there was some questions around really how he was going to progress and whether, you know, it was going to take a minute for him to get into it, but seven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, three fumbles recovered. And one of them, he took back to the house for a touchdown. So he was all over the place. He was just, running wild and terrorizing quarterbacks and just, you know, he was, he was who we thought he was. And, you know, they got every little bit of that number two pick out of him. So Chase Young, defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. And and then now I'm going the complete opposite of what I think is going to happen because it's going to be Chase Young, but I'm going to go Anton Winfield. If you remember his Anton Winfield Jr., by the way, but his father played in the NFL, but he's such a baller. He's such a stud second round pick. 94 total tackles, um, two forced fumbles, one, one interception. It's, you know, the, the forced fumbles or the turnovers, let's just say, is not a big stat. But as a safety, as a rookie, getting entrenched into that defense later on in the year, he was such a baller for them. And they're in the Super Bowl now, and I, I think he played a big part in that. So I, I like him. Um, I, I, I know that you were going to go Chase Young, and I, I, I respect that. I think that's going to be the pick. But um, Winfield is such a stud that I, I admire him for. So I, it would be cool if, you know, <laughs> if they were able to look at it differently, but I think it's, it's fair. I think Chase Young had an awesome year, so I, I fully support that, but that's it. That's it for the awards. Um, we'll see how it goes on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me, but let's get into Sunday, the big game, Super Bowl, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have the Chiefs favored by three, Technically on the road, even though it's supposed to be a neutral neutral site. I'm sure you guys haven't heard that throughout the last two weeks, but the Bucks are playing at home. Chiefs are favored by three. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. Micah is going to take the Chiefs. Micah, give us a little bit of breakdown. Chiefs-wise, why are they going to have some advantages here? Why are they going to be maybe challenged a little bit um, in this game? It's going to be a great game overall, but what do you got for the Chiefs on their side? Yeah, so, you know, no surprise Chiefs are in the Super Bowl once again. And, you know, everybody knows who the Chiefs are. The Chiefs are a insanely high-powered offense with, you know, a defense that, for all accounts, has played well enough to get them to the point that they're at. Uh, I think that, you know, they're, it's an easy route to sit here and say their advantages are the fact that they have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. That, that's what it is. Their offense is so dynamic in every sort of way. Last week against the Bucks, Rodgers threw for 33 receptions on 48 attempts. He was still sacked five times and still threw for 346 yards and three touchdowns. 
Mahomes is going to be able to run the ball. You know, you talked about how there was that point where Rodgers, maybe he could have ran it, decided to throw it. You know, maybe he didn't see what he thought. Mahomes is going to run that ball. Mahomes is going to run it. Mahomes is going to get into the end zone. And he's going to do so much more on his feet that, you know, maybe Rodgers wasn't necessarily able to do and kind of exploit that defense in a, in a different realm. The Chiefs and Green Bay have a very similar defense, you know, going through this playoff. So could be a very similar game for Brady as far as, you know, what he's able to pick apart and do. If he plays a similar game as he did against Green Bay, there's no chance they're going to win, um, you know, with the three interceptions that he threw. Chiefs offense is going to be able to take advantage of something like that. Throughout this playoff run, the Bucks are bottom five in pass defense, but they're also number two in rushing defense. So that's going to be where, you know, some question marks would be on where they might be able to limit the Chiefs a little bit is really just, you know, trying to slow them down in the run game, try to limit anything that they can do on the ground so they truly have to be 100% dynamic through Patrick Holmes in the passing, which they obviously can do. And that is the strongest point. So it's like, oh, shit, you know, make them work with the strongest part of their offense. But nonetheless, if the Bucks were going to do anything and go out there and, you know, shut down one side of the ball, it's going to be their run defense. I think that the biggest concern you'll probably touch on on the other side is, you know, if the Bucks can really just limit Patrick Mahomes being on the field in general. But from the Chiefs standpoint, you know, they have a very uh, – a very similar defense as Green Bay had as far as the way they stack up. And by all accounts, Green Bay's defense put them in a position to win that game, and they did not win it. So the Chiefs have an offense that can close out a game like that. The Packers weren't able to. I think that if the Chiefs can go out there and, and, and play a similar game as Green Bay did last week, they can run away with this game and, and definitely win it. However, this is still Brady in the playoffs. This is still Brady in the Super Bowl. And that's why my score prediction for this game, 27 to 24 Buccaneers. Wow. <laughs> yes. I just gave you all of that stuff about, about how the Chiefs just need to be the Chiefs and they're good. Yet Brady is going to get a W. I think, I think all bets are off when you're talking numbers and logic. You know, it's old guard versus new guard. Brady shouldn't be playing a song, let alone playing this elite. I just don't think that you can gamble against wizardry. So, Bucks Super Bowl champs. Um. Okay. Well, I I am representing the Buccaneers. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I and I realize it's bad. It's it's no no. I, I fucked I, up because I really realized that it's like okay, you know, I'm I'm pitching why the Chiefs could win this game, but I think that was a, an amazing cliffhanger. Um, I think you sold it well, and and I'm. I'm blown away in, in a good way. I think you did great. I will do the Bucks breakdown here. So I would say, I mean, I, this is the problem because now I'm like, okay, you know, all right. Like it, it's kind of like every Raiders game that they're favored by or not favored, but they're like dogs by five and a half or more. I'm like, Oh, pretty good points. I'm, I'm actually like feeling this a little bit. So I'm going to do the, the Bucks breakdown a little bit here. So I have the you know, and really, you know, their, their D line against the chiefs O line. I think it's a very stout D line. Um, they got to Rogers last week. Chiefs O line is broken up. Um, they have some injuries. I think they can take advantage of that without blitzing. So I think that's an advantage. Um, I think the bucks do have a lot of weapons really. When you think of the chiefs, you think of a shootout, you think, Hey, can you keep up with this pace? Can you keep rolling here? And I think they have enough to do that. They've been able to establish the run and they also have Evans, Godwin, Miller, Gronk, 
they have they have a ton of weapons to keep up in a shootout is, is kind of where where I go. And, and I also think that from an optimistic standpoint, Tom Brady kicked out his family from their house for two weeks just so he could mentally prepare. So 14 days he kicked out his family just to be alone in his house for two weeks to go over film to mentally prepare for this game. And it takes a certain amount of crazy or a certain amount of, you know, a certain type of person to do that. And, and I'm just like, same way as you. I'm like, okay, well, Brady in the playoffs, Super Bowl, you got it. You got to just put everything aside, take everything that you knew from the season and stats here, this, that, and the other, and, and just say, who knows, right? So that's, I, I do think that, sorry, I didn't mean to be so shocked by your pick. I, I, it's more so like, it's tough. It's tough to bet against these guys, right? It's tough to bet against the Chiefs and, and feel confident. And I respect you and, and admire you for that. The pessimistic side of me is like, I think the Bucks, if I looked at their team right now, if I looked at their players right now, I think they have to play a near perfect game. You mentioned it with the Bills, I think, two weeks ago. But it, it, it's kind of like they haven't played their best game yet, but can they do it? And really, it has to be enough stops on defense, and their offense has to be not unstoppable, but really high caliber and, and be able to put up points and not everyone keeps stealing this slogan from us, but we cannot trade touchdowns for field goals. So I think the Bucks have to play perfect, you know. I, I love to ride with the dogs, right? I love to let the dogs out. That That's me. I'm Baja men. You know, I, I let the dogs out. I like to ride with them, but I'm growing up. I'm older. I'm just like, this is, this happens. And it, it, it's kind of like a, I'm calloused because of like Bama, you know, I'm calloused because I'm like, no, I think they could shock the world. It's college football, but I just don't, I don't feel good about betting against the chiefs. And I'm, I'm going to take the chiefs 34, 27, um, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, whether it's 27, 27, the chiefs go up by a touchdown, the bucks can't score, or if it's going to be 34, 20 and, and the bucks score late touchdown. I'm not sure. I think this game can get out of control quick on the Chiefs side. You know, their original matchup was 27, 24 chiefs. But if you recall, Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in the first quarter, right? So he was on pace for 800 yards and the chiefs took, the foot off the gas. And I don't know, I, anything can happen. I know that. And I'm so excited that it went this way, but um, I'm going to go chiefs 34, 27. I envy them more than anything. I hate the chiefs, but more so I envy them. And I think they're going to win and I hope it's close. I hope it's exciting, but that's where I'm at. So chiefs 34, 27 crown them again, back to back. Micah, I hope you're right. I want you to be right. That's where I'm at. Well, I don't blame you one bit because this is the final game. This is the Super Bowl. There is going to be a Super Bowl MVP that is crowned. Who you got for yours? I, I have mine as, and this is, I'm kind of going out there on a limb a little bit because it can go, you know, a couple of different ways. Sometimes it's Eli Manning when he doesn't deserve it. Um, things like that. It could be different, different guys. Uh, I'm going to go Mahomes. Wow. Crazy. Holy shit. Who would have thought? Sorry for the cursing, but it's Mahomes. I, I just don't think, you know, I said it last week with Rogers, but I think this is the ultimate torch passing. Mahomes is the most Brady like person we've seen 
just at an earlier age and, and it's just going to be his league for the next 12 years. And as you mentioned during the Deshaun Watson conversation, like everyone's chasing that. So I think it's going to be Mahomes and he's so special. That's it. I care less. I, I don't want to, it's not about being right, but I'm just saying like, this is, I think this is going to happen. And if I felt convicted otherwise, I, I, I would tell you guys, but I think it's Mahomes. I think the chiefs unfortunately control the game most of the part, but um, Super Bowl MVP on your end. Yeah, I think that it, it's really just one of those very chalk things that go that says MVP is going to go to the quarterback who wins this game. And, you know, and that's kind of what it's going to come down to with both of these iconic quarterbacks being in the Super Bowl. So, you know, if the Chiefs win, it's going to be because Mahomes was fantastic. If the Bucks win, it's because Brady was being Brady. But regardless, whichever quarterback wins, in my opinion, is going to get the MVP. I have the Bucks winning, so I got Brady winning the MVP. I love it. I, I, I especially, and cause I didn't know you were doing this, but I think this is great for our last preview game before we get into the off season draft season, everything like that. So I'm excited about it. Hopefully this is, you know, you guys are enjoying this and, and we're able to just, we'll see how Sunday goes. It's going to be fun regardless. Right. So, well, that's it. That's all we got. Um, I'm going to just touch on a couple things before we get out of here and let Mike close us out. So, well, late breaking listener question, not even listener question. Let's well, listener fun fact. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't, I didn't see this coming through until late. So we have this fun fact from one of the best. I, I would say of the, of the Mel Dreamy clan, she's probably the sharpest knowledge wise, sports wise. She gets it, you know, um, and this is from G Mel Dreamy. It says, hey, RTP, thought you should know a little bit you know, of a fun fact for the Super Bowl before I let you guys go. When Tom Brady was going into his first Super Bowl, did you know that Patrick Mahomes was in kindergarten? I mean, two guys playing the same position at an elite level. Brady's first Super Bowl, Mahomes was in kindergarten. Gmail Dreamy, thank you so much. What a great fact. Thank you for capping off this year of listener facts and listener questions so i think you'll see a lot of those fun facts being you you see them every year these fun facts that get brought up you know this it's been weird because you know the media media week is completely non-existent essentially now but that was a lot of stuff that would you know kind of pop up kind of like you said uh with the whole like there is no home team but they're playing in tampa bay you know and tampa bay is in it so it's like a home game stuff like that and you know Mahomes being in kindergarten you know Brady won his first Super Bowl. It's just it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to think. But well, thank you guys. It's been a great episode. Um, a lot of content there. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, just for an idea of what this is going to look like. So we cut out um our draft segment as it relates to breaking down prospects. So we're gonna um keep the same for next week. Um, actually, we're gonna get into more so, you know, the Super Bowl is over when we record next week. Um, we're gonna just recap the year as we told you guys we would. We'll talk about the year in full. We'll hand out some awards for the Raiders. We'll hand out one prestigious award for the Raider Take Podcast Listener of the Year. And I'm just going to say, with that last fun fact, I I don't know where the polls are going to be, right? Who knows where the polls are going to be with the Mel Dreamy family? Who knows where it's going to happen? B. Bauer, he's been up there the whole time, big leader this whole time. But we have to count our, our votes. We have to be able to deliberate as a team. Um, so we're going to roll out our Raider recap year 2020, 
hand out some individual awards and more importantly, hand out our um, Raider Take Podcast Listener of the Year. After that, it's going to be mid-Feb. In March, we're going to get into free agency. We're going to get into the draft in April. So much to uncover. We'll start diving back in in two weeks into more so draft talk content, as we mentioned, as it relates to the Raiders. So um, Mike, take us home. That's all I got. It's been a fun episode. As always, we appreciate the love. We appreciate the support. Uh, if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, review, give us those five stars. Share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter. Help us continue to grow the brand, get the word out there. Excited to jump into this, you know, Raiders recap, like you said, and then get back into the draft stuff. Is you know, we got a lot, even though it's the offseason, still a lot to talk about, still a lot going on, a lot of news in uh, the Raiders sphere and just the NFL sphere in general. So it's going to be fun. Till next time, we'll talk to you all later. Love it. Um, Raider Nation, stand up. Love you guys. Micah, it's going to be a good one this weekend. Um, looking forward to continuing this thing. Love you guys, as always. Later.